Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Oh God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and the gift of this place. We pray that you would settle your spirit now here among us, that you would quiet our minds, open our hearts to the word that you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth would not be my own, but that they would be your words for your church this morning. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So humans are creatures of habit, aren't we? Habits in many ways reflect our true selves. And not all habits are bad. A lot of times they get a bad rap, and we think of habits as things we have to stop doing. But habits can be good too, and we build our daily lives around priorities that we have, things that we're passionate about. And so often, though, even though we desire it, our relationship with God sometimes takes a back seat to other demands that we have in our lives. We also live our lives with a sense of routine, some sort of daily rhythm, and we're often seeking balance. We want to find balance in, in some way, but it's difficult for us to feel balanced if we neglect our spiritual needs. Now, I usually like to start when I preach by asking you a question and invite you to respond to me publicly. I decided this morning that asking you to share your habits might not be the best idea, so we're not going to do that. But I'm going to ask you a different question and invite you to answer silently to yourself. In the context of the church or in the context of your faith throughout your life, have you ever been made to feel guilty about something that you do that you need to change in your daily life? And or have you felt guilty because you feel like you're not doing enough in your spiritual life? It's an interesting thing to think about. And I think it can leave us with this confusing feeling that makes us completely unmotivated to do either of those things. So today I want to explore what it might look like for us to find holy spiritual rhythms in the midst of our habitual routine in our daily life. And so I want to use a passage from the book of Acts to frame that idea And so if you have your Bible with you or an app on a device, feel free to follow along there or it'll be on the screen. Reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I invite you to listen and receive God's word for us today. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles, All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and they ate in their homes and they shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a little bit of context about that passage. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. The disciples have spent 40 days with him, learning from him, and he has ascended into heaven. 
and promised when that happened that he would send the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has come upon them on a day that we refer to as Pentecost. And so now Peter has begun preaching to a group of people gathered about Jesus being the Messiah. And so after he's done talking, this crowd that's gathered, they ask him, so what do we do now? And that's a fair question. And when I read that question, what I hear is this, that it's this timeless search for very real and relevant answers to the questions of life that we have in relation to our life with God. The same question that we still ask now. And so Peter offers them a few things. He tells them two specific things. If you're going to proclaim to be a Christian, then these two things are really important. And the first one is to repent. What that means is to turn away from all of these competing beliefs and values and turn toward Jesus and the grace and forgiveness that he offers. And the second thing is baptism, a means of God's grace and um, incorporation into the Christian community. And so we know that salvation is a gift. It's a gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but our human response is necessary. We have to do part of it. And so the verses right before this say that that day, 3,000 people came to believe in Christ. Now, the number before that was only 120. So this is a big leap. And this is the beginning of what we know as the Christian church. And so this illustrates a few things. Obviously, the truth of the gospel is the first thing it illustrates. But the second is that our habits— namely our spiritual habits, both individual and communal, are noticed by other people. Other people watch us and notice. And the hope is that they see Jesus in us, right? And that they want to know more. That's the hope. And that's how growth happens. Now, the passage that that I just read, it outlines the daily life of this community of believers, and, and it offers four specific ideals that we can aspire to. The first of those is worship and study. We know that our relationship with God is certainly an exercise of our heart, of our emotions, but it's also an exercise of our minds, and so worship and study are both very, very important things. The second thing is fellowship. Now, in the text, there's a Greek word here used. It's one of my favorite words to say, quanania. It's just a fun word. What that word literally means is soul-to-soul fellowship. And that's how this community is described. It was a shared life of believers, caring about the well-being of one another. And so, yes, time alone with God is important, and we're going to talk about that. But we're not meant to live our faith in isolation. We experience the joy of God's presence, and we gain energy to serve when we're together, like we are right now. The next thing is shared meals breaking bread together, including Holy Communion. And the last thing is prayer. We've just finished a four-week sermon series on prayer, why that's important in our lives as Christians. It helps keep our life in balance, but it also gives us an opportunity to praise God for so many things in our lives. And so, in essence, these people lived with a sense of unity, sharing everything, including their possessions, the text says. And so they had this attitude of responsibility for one another. 
in the way that they lived. They worshiped together, and then it says they would eat together. And so there's a link between God's purposes and this communal bond that they shared. And we know, we know in these moments right now, that God's Spirit moves upon his people gathered in worship. And they were a community of friends. They were a community of friends that were filled with gladness. They were happy. They were happy. And so as they demonstrated God's goodness to other people, other people liked what they saw. They looked at them and they liked what they saw in the church. And so our behavior, our attitudes, our love for God and our love for other people, all of that matters. All of it matters. And so what are we showing the world? What are we showing the world about Jesus? What are we showing the world about the church? Are we happy? Are we happy in what we believe? The Lord added daily to the community is what it says. And so do we really believe that together with God we can make great things happen here? Do we believe that together with God we can make great things happen in our community? I think it's interesting that the text says the word daily. And what that suggests to me is a rhythm. There's a rhythm in the way that they lived. And so there doesn't really seem to be a timeline or a checklist of goals that they had, but rather developing these holy rhythms driven by worship, driven by relationships in their lives. And so as we look at their example and we consider our own individual practices, I think they give us a great model for what that can look like. We might call it different things. Some of us might call it our devotional life. Some of us might call it our quiet time. Some of us might use the phrase spiritual disciplines. For today, that's the phrase I'm going to use. Those can look different for each of us. My hope today is to offer a new understanding of those ideas in a, in a broad sense. Simply put, what I'm referring to are things that we do to invite God to enter into and transform our lives. That's what those things are all about. So I want to give you an example of how a person's time with God could play out, specifically mine. See if any of this sounds familiar to you. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I've grouped together times throughout my life into one thing here. So keep that in mind. So you sit down in the morning, and if you know me, you know that there's a hard stop right there because mornings are not my time to shine. They are not with the exception of when I preach. I, I make an exception for that. But, so to sit down and say, okay, God, where are you today? What do you want me to do? How about I journal for a few minutes, and then I'll read my Bible, and then I might read a chapter of a C.S. Lewis book. Is that the right order? And ten minutes later, God, I'm still not hearing you. You seem quiet. Am I not doing this right? Am I not praying right? Maybe another five or ten minutes goes by. God, there's still nothing. Is it the room? Do I need to light a candle? Do I need to go somewhere else? Do I need, maybe I need to go outside. Maybe I need to go outside, look at the sunrise. That'll work. This is exaggerated, I know. But, but it's like I thought there was this formula, that there was this special routine that I had to follow with no room for what might resonate with me, with my soul. And it really was not until my late 20s, which was just last year, 
that actually a therapist looked at me and said, have you considered that maybe you're doing it wrong? Have you considered that, that maybe that time is not meant to be just be added to your to-do list as one more thing to do that stresses you out? Have you thought about maybe weaving it into the life you already lead? And the great news is this, that God is not thinking, gosh, I have a really important message for her today. Let's really hope that she does the right sequence of events so that I can tell her. No. No, God's desire is for me, for you to be in his presence. That is God's desire. And so I think the problem that we have with finding God in our daily routines is we have unrealistic expectations. So yes, we can set our alarm, we can get up, we can prop our eyes open and joyfully try to study and connect, and for some of us that might last like three days. By day four we're tired, day five might be a Sunday and so we get a bye, and day six the guilt sets in and we're done. Now, I want to say that this is a routine that for many people whom I know, this works very well for them. And that's great. But if it doesn't work well for you, that's okay. You're not alone. Because the problem is not a lack of desire on our part. It's that we have unrealistic expectations attached to an unrealistic plan. And I think that happens when we don't weave it into the life that we already lead. Jesus is first in importance, so I think we can all agree on that, but he is so because he's the center of everything. So instead of worrying about putting Jesus first, what if we instead concentrated on making him the center of every part of our life? So instead of saying, well, okay, we have Jesus, and then we have all my relationships and my career and whatever else, what if we tried instead to say, Jesus is in my relationships. Jesus is in the career that I lead. That's what spiritual disciplines do, is they help us to cultivate an awareness of the indwelling Christ, of Jesus living inside of us, this consistent, ongoing presence that we can call on at any moment. And there are a lot of wonderful men and women who limp through the Christian life marred by guilt. And if that's you today, I want to say to you, I'm so very sorry for that. Because, because Jesus invites us to something different. He invites us to something better. God designed you to be you, not just in the way that you think or feel, but also in your faith and in the way that you connect with God. And so we have to learn how to be spiritually filled in realistic ways that fit with the way that we're wired. That doesn't mean that we have to sing Kumbaya and memorize the book of Psalms. You can. You can if that works for you. But, but we're not going to magically gain any more hours in the day, as badly as some of us want that. But there is enough time to do what God wants us to do, but we have to stop. We have to stop because it's hard for us to fill our souls when there's a flurry of activity all the time. Marjorie Thompson, in her book, Soul Feast, says this. We've become masters in the art of distracting ourselves from life's depth. How true is that? And sometimes we can't receive 
what God has for us because we're too worn out. We're too tired. And so connecting with God doesn't have to be one more activity that you add to a busy life. It can happen within your normal schedule. Maybe for you, that's when you go to the gym, during your commute to work, when you're picking your kids up from school. Have you thought about how you feel when you're not connected to God on a regular basis? What are those warning signs for you? For me, it's things like I feel very impatient, very irritable. I might lack compassion and grace. My stress is worse. My insecurities are strong. I feel different. I feel different. But when I feel more connected to God, those struggles don't go away. That's not reality. But I deal with them in ways that are healthier. So how do we connect with God? What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's simply about having a heart that wants to be closer to God. And so coming to church on Sunday is a great start. Great start. But let's take that a step further using these classic disciplines that we've talked about of prayer and study and worship, fellowship, service, things that we know are important in our lives as Christians. God doesn't judge the way that we connect with him. God wants us to make connections that bring rest for our souls. And that might mean for you that you experience God through gardening, through being in your yard, through exercise, through some kind of creative art that you might do. That those times for you are when you feel God's presence. That those are times when you feel like you can really talk to God. And often looking outward is just as important as looking inward. And so serving in some way is a great way to feel God's presence. Maybe for you, you go and join a small group. You have to find what works for you. There's no question that God is moving in our lives. The question is, have we committed to the work of paying attention to it? And we tend to see the time that we spend with God as a factor in our own spiritual progress, and it is, but I think we forget that it means something to God, too. God desperately wants a relationship with each one of us. And so we can find these simple ways to transform our everyday routines into experiences of God's presence with us. I've mentioned spiritual disciplines a few times, and so I want to take a minute to unpack that. What is a spiritual discipline? It sounds kind of scary. It's not. It's just, it's simply a practice that helps us to learn to be like Jesus, something that aids us in our growth and our transformation. And so being a disciple of Jesus is a task that lasts a lifetime. It is not something that happens overnight and it's done. It takes effort. It takes intent. But it is not meant to be somber and dull. It's not. It's not all about denying ourselves of things. Jesus calls us to joy. Jesus calls us to celebration. And disciplines are meant to bring liberation to us. And so what I want you to hear today is that you don't need to be discouraged by the things that you don't do, because God would rather us be faithful in a few commitments than to feel despair over failures from taking on too much. That's not God's intent. That's not God's design for us. So I want to give you a a tool that you can use to put all of this together, and it's called a rule of life. I mentioned Marjorie Thompson a few minutes ago. This is from her book. Um, called Soul Feast. So a rule of life is is a pattern. For those of us that like structure, this is really helpful. 
The rule of life is a, a pattern of spiritual disciplines that gives structure and direction to these holy rhythms. Now, when I say patterns, what I mean are parts of our lives that are routine, the attitudes we have, behaviors. And a rule of life should be unique to you. It should be unique to your personality, to your circumstances, your needs, while also in harmony with Christian practice, but allows us to take responsibility for becoming our truest self, who we really are rooted in Christ. So there are three basic steps in creating a rule of life. The first is to take a faith-illumined inventory of your life the way it stands right now. Some things to think about. What are your life circumstances? What are the, the commitments that you have? Probably helpful to think about your relationships. If you have a spouse, if you have children, if you might be caring for an aging parent, who are the people in your life that require your time and your energy? If you have a, f- a full-time job, a part-time job, if you volunteer, basically thinking about your time and helping you to structure your time in a way that's realistic. The second is to prayerfully discern what will help you grow toward a deeper connection with God, with other people, and with yourself. What values have shaped your life? What traits and inclinations come naturally to you? Maybe think about your energy level. Like I said a while ago, for me, mornings are not a great time for me. I do much better later in the day, and that's okay. What is your personality type? Are you more introverted? Are you more extroverted? Do you like structure? Do you like spontaneity? Those are all important things to think about. And the third step is to then make realistic choices about disciplines you can actually commit to. And I'd encourage you when you do that to move from this kind of time-based approach that I think we've been conditioned to. You know, I gotta, I gotta set time aside or I have to do it at a, at a certain time. Move away from that and, and look at it more as a situation-based approach to blend it into the flow of your daily experience. Now, part of this discernment might include letting go of things that don't serve you anymore. And that's important too. Know that the Holy Spirit can and will do great transformation in you through just a few steady practices that you adopt. And I would also say that know that every day is a new day. That there's going to be a time, more than likely, that you skip a day of whatever you're trying to do. And know that each Each new day is renewed commitment and a a space for grace in that. Um, So I have a rule of life. I've done this exercise. I went back and looked at it this this last week. Right now it has six or seven bullet points on it. It doesn't have to be long. Those are not all things that I do every single day. And it's something that I revise often. It's a fluid thing. In fact, when I looked at it this week, I realized "Mm, I need to I need to change some of those things. And then keep it in a place where you will see it frequently. Maybe put it on an index card. Keep it in your Bible, on your desk, or in your car. And I would say also that if if this is something that's intriguing to you, that you want to talk more about, if you need some ideas to get started, please, please reach out to me, reach out to Pastor John. Either of us would be happy to, to visit more with you about this. When we look at Jesus' life, he modeled well for us what balance looks like, a balance between community and solitude. We know he spent time with lots of people, 
But he often also spent time alone with God, and, and thus shows us how important that is. But we also need a wider community of faith. We need a community of faith for encouragement, for support, for clarity, for love, because spiritual life at its best joins together the personal and the corporate. Our individual disciplines need to be practiced in the context of a community of believers. So it's joining the inner and the outer together. And and so that which speaks to our own hearts must then be balanced with that which engages us in service to others so as to bear fruit for God's purposes in the world. And friends, the reality is that we're all unfinished works of grace. Hopefully that can relieve some of the pressure that we often self-impose on ourselves about things like this. We can have confidence that Jesus is is shaping us according to his good design. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11 that he will teach us the unforced rhythms of grace, and those are the best holy rhythms that we can have. And we know that life will happen. Life will happen. Things will squeeze into our souls and try to occupy that space that God holds. We're going to feel short on time some days. There are days we're going to feel like we're just going through the motions. There will be days when God feels very far away. But our relationship with Jesus is not some mystical state of being. The good news is that that's inside of us. That's where Christ lives, by the Holy Spirit, and no one can take that away from us. And so I'll ask you as I close um, one of my favorite questions. I'll ask myself, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? There's something deeply beautiful and compelling about that to me. That God deeply cares about your soul, about mine. And so as you go through your days seeking connection with God, Be who he created you to be. Don't be somebody else. Be you. And know, know that God will meet you there. God will meet you there where you are. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.